Very thankful to see you all here this morning and ahead of our potential stormy weather. I'm selfishly thankful that uh, stormy weather seems to be moving elsewhere, but certainly join um, with all of you in prayer for our um, friends and family and the um, brothers and sisters in Florida. Let us um, please keep them in our prayers these next few days. And so today we kick off our fall season, although it does seem like a little bit of a false start with the storm. We've canceled a few things, but nevertheless we are here and we're kicking off a sermon series on Hosea, the book of Hosea. And I would strongly encourage you to find Hosea in your Bible this morning. And maybe you have it an app on your phone, it'll be easy to find. You might have um, a hard copy of your Bible, it will be not quite as easy to find, but I'll give you some guidance Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. It's immediately after Daniel. Um, you can find Hosea right after Daniel and right before Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah. So if you land on any of those, turn to the left. If you land on Daniel, turn to, well, you know what I'm talking about, go in the right direction. <laughs> we are looking at Hosea. We are going to begin today with chapter 1, verse 1. And look at all of chapter 1 in Hosea. I'm going to go through it verse by verse. And what we're going to see are are, are three different things we're going to tackle um, right here this morning. The the first one, the first two verses, uh, we see the calling of a prophet. What does Hosea's call look like? Uh, Verses 3 and 9, we'll see um, Hosea's children of rebellion. And then verses uh, 10, and and really it goes to the first verse of chapter 2, we'll see this promise of restoration. So we're going to see Hosea's call, Hosea's children, and then Hosea's promise, God's promise, if you will, through Hosea. And so we'll begin just right at the beginning, verse 1 of chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. What we have here is almost like a superscription to the whole story. Hosea is planting himself at a particular time in history For a particular prophecy to a particular people that God has seen to carry on throughout the centuries in such a way that it applies to us. But but this is a historical setting. We have these kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Jeroboam. And so what we realize when we see that Hosea was a prophet during this time, we realize that, that he was a prophet during a time right before the fall of the northern kingdom. Now, if you remember your, your Hebrew history, you realize that, that after Solomon, the, the kingdom of Israel was split into two, the ten tribes up north and two in the south. The northern tribes were called Israel, the southern tribes were called Judah, and these two tribes went on, two kingdoms went on very different paths, but each of them ended with the same result of God's judgment. Hosea is primarily a prophet to the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and he has come at a time right before the fall, right before they are sacked by the Assyrians. However, during Hosea's day, there's probably a bit of false confidence in Israel. You see, the Assyrians had come knocking on their doorstep a few, a few decades earlier, only to be drawn back by internal conflict in their country. And, and so if you're Israel and you're praying to gods of some sort, and you see your arch enemy coming to your door and then retreating without you doing anything, what do you conclude? God must love us. We must be doing something right. He protected us. And so they continue doing what they were doing. 
what they were doing is worshiping false gods. They were worshiping false gods. They were worshiping idols. And, and the consequences of this false worship was, was injustice and immorality. Terrible ethics in the time of Hosea. And so Israel is a people sojourning with false gods and pagan idols at the, expense of the, at the expense of the poor and the outcasts of their society. And ultimately, and above all things, this adulterous generation chasing after false gods neglected Yahweh, the one true God of Israel, the one God who rescued them from Egypt, who made them his people, who said in the desert, I will be your God and you will be my people. And they said, yes, God, we're on board with that. No more and no longer. And into this environment of pagan worship and false confidence comes Hosea. And he's preaching God's judgment. And God's judgment would be fulfilled within one generation of Hosea's death. You see, the Assyrians were coming back. And they were stronger and they wiped the northern kingdom of Israel completely off the map. So Hosea is a prophet in, in that setting. What is his call? How does God want him to prophesy? Well, it's interesting. God doesn't want Hosea to offer your run-of-the-mill, God's judgment is coming soon, you better repent prophecy. He surely does that, and we're going to see that. But, but it's framed much more graphically. God wants Hosea to reenact what it's like to be the God of this rebellious people. And so we get verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry, for the land commits harlotry by forsaking the Lord. Go and marry an adulterous woman, Hosea, and by doing so prophesy to the nation of Israel. It is not enough for you to tell my people how they're forsaking me. You must show them. You must live it out. Take a faithless wife. Be the father of children who are rebellious. And by the way, one of them will be yours, but the other two will not. But be their father anyway. anyway. Love a household, Hosea, that will not love you back. And show my people what it's like for me to love them. If you wanted a supplemental guide to Hosea, I'd recommend this. Derek Kidner wrote a, a commentary in the Bible Speaks Today series called The Message of Hosea. Um, and he, he says this. Hosea introduces us to a family which is a miniature of our world, or rather of the most enlightened part of the world of his own day. But it's a problem family. God compares his situation not to that of an autocrat who orders, whose orders nobody dares question, nor of a father who rejoices in an adoring wife and children. No, God compares himself to that of a husband whose wife has left him and a father whose children are like strangers in his own house and are fast destroying themselves. So where does God's power, where does God's instant solutions come into such a picture? Well, you realize that it's a little more complicated than that. God can't simply make things right, he has to love his family back to him. And that's what Hosea's message is for us. 
And so Hosea obeys. He finds a prostitute, Gomer. He takes her for his wife. And we'll hear more about that relationship in the weeks to come. He's the father to three children with unusual names. And we will now turn to them. Hosea is the father of children of rebellion. And so he's a father to three children, but if you read it closely, you realize only one of them is, is his biological child. Uh, verse 4, the Lord said to him, call his name, uh, verse 3, excuse me. So Hosea went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dilbaim, and she conceived and bore him, so this is his biological child, bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Well, what's going on here? Well, this first child named Jezreel is, is God's reminder to Israel of their blatant sin. Years ago in the valley of Jezreel, okay, God's people committed atrocious violence in God's name. Atrocious violence from which they were never repentant. And so now Hosea has a a child walking around named Jezreel, reminding Israel of their sins against God and their sins against their neighbor. But that's not enough. We read on. Gomer conceived again, verse 6, and she bore him a daughter. No, she bore a daughter, right? You see that? She didn't bore him a daughter. She bore a daughter. This is not Hosea's biological child. And the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. And so the second child, No Mercy. That God will have no more mercy on his people. You saw that? It's not that God's not having mercy. He's just not going to have any more. He's done it time and time again. Forgiven these rebellious people. But the day of his judgment is coming. And finally, verses 8 and 9. When Gomer had weaned no mercy, she conceived a bore son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. For you are not my people. And I... I'm not your God. Not my people. So, so Israel's reminded of their sin. They're, 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 they're told that God will no longer show mercy. And in fact, God is turning his back on them. He is rejecting them. You people that, that I made a covenant with, that I gave the law, that I invited you into a relationship with me, you're not my people anymore. You're misrepresenting me. You're not fulfilling the promises that I gave. I'm turning my back on you. It's a word of judgment. Word of judgment. But Hosea deeply, deeply wants us to consider not only how God judges, but how it makes him feel. Consider a father responding like this to his beloved children. How does it make a loving father feel when his children are unrepentant and rebellious? How many times must a father show mercy to his kids to make him give up on it completely? What must it be like for a father, a loving father, to turn his back on an unrepentant son? Now let me be clear. This is not a parenting lesson. Because none of our children have sinned against us as badly as we have sinned against God. 
This is not a lesson on how to parent. This is a lesson on how a loving God's heart is broken for his children. And so the question that Hosea is begging us to ask this morning, how are we, God's people, still rejecting him today? How are you individually still rejecting God today? And the fact of the matter is we are all making idols out of our lives. We make idols of success. And we have to work hard to the neglect of our family and our friends and our relationships. We make idols of money to the neglect of our own generosity, the neglect of the poor, the neglect of the needy. We make idols out of sex. And we become addicted to pornography. Many, many of you perhaps have been in adulterous relationships because of this idol. But it's not just individual choices. There's corporate ones as well. As well, the church can make an idol out of cultural relevance, right? And we lose our understanding of sin and God's holiness and his grace and our attempts to be relevant to a changing culture. Or sometimes we make an idol out of power and self-preservation. And we end up with alliances that are damaging to the gospel and perpetuating injustice to the weak. Friends, we're all making idols. What is yours? What is ours? Finally, though, we come to the last verses, verses of this section. We find a promise of restoration. And this is typical of Hosea. All of his judgments are found by promises, or followed by promises. So let's read verses 10 to 11. Uh, well, verse 9, uh, call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. And then verse 10, yet. Do you see that? Yet. I feel like I tell you this a lot. Little words in Scripture make a big deal. Yet, even though, even though we're like this, yet God, yet the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. What a promise. God reminds Israel that they are the children of Abraham. And that Abraham has been promised to be a, a great nation whose, whose descendants shall number the sands of the sea, who shall outnumber the stars in the sky. That Abraham's children will be a blessing to all nations. And that not my people will once again be God's people. And that great shall be the day of Jezreel. It's a promise of hope. It's a promise of, yes, judgment, but also restoration. God's not going to forsake his promises to Abraham. He's not going to forsake his promises to the world. One day he will set this wicked world to rights, and his people shall be great, and his people shall be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Now, such a promise was only partially fulfilled in Israel. They were judged. They were exiled. Even the southern kingdom was sent into exile. 
But this promise would ultimately be fulfilled in a way that Hosea could never imagine. It would take one true and holy Israelite to receive the judgment given to Hosea's children. Do you see that? God raised up a true and holy Israelite to take this ultimate judgment in the place of God's people. One who didn't deserve it would be afflicted with the violence of Jezreel. This one would receive no mercy from God when faced with his execution. And indeed, he would cry out in spiritual agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I no longer your child? This one, Jesus, would bear the punishment for the idol worship of his people so that they might receive this promise to God. Then on the third day, what did God do? He raised him from the dead, right? He said, this Jesus, he is my one true son. He is my true Israel. And all who are in him, all who are caught up into his resurrection will be my people. The simple fact of the matter is all of us deserve to be counted as Hosea's children. Guilty of violent injustice, sometimes in God's name. Undeserving of mercy, rejected by God, our Father. And yet, we are God's children. We are numbered and counted among the sands of the sea as God's children through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so even in our guilt, even in our spiritual adultery, God comes to us and he makes us his people through Jesus Christ so that our guilt may be forgiven, God's mercy may be granted, and God may look on us and say, you are my people. Let us pray.